This is T-Bone. And we uh, are happy to bring to you the internet's only podcast featuring movies that you should be working out to, right? Yeah. There's a ton of, well, I'll say there's a ton of action movie um, podcasts or shows out there, but these are the only ones to really help you gain your maximum potential if you're watching these while you work out or at least you can listen to the soundtracks. So, Scientifically proven. <laughs> That's correct. So, uh, I can speak from, from uh, experience. You know, I was just a 90-pound weakling when I walked into um, Iron Master's Dojo for the first time. And the very first thing that you did was you brought me over to the uh, little kiddie pool full of sand. <laughs> and you introduced this as the kicking sand. <laughs> and then you kicked some sand in my face. And, uh, you know, I had... While I was spitting and coughing and choking, um, yeah, you had me do lunges <laughs> with tears streaming down my face <laughs> and said, uh, you're not going to walk in here and those little twigs are going to pump you up. And so anyway, that's how it all began. And then we started watching pump a- or, uh, Pumping Iron and then, yeah, now we're here. And we are here today to talk about one of my, honestly, personal heroes, um, Bruce Lee. <laughs> The man probably deserves his own standalone episode because um, what an extraordinary life, um, what an extraordinary man, what an extraordinary um, contribution he made not only to martial arts, um, but just movies in general. Um, He's probably, to me, the very first action star, um, which comes by way of Enter the Dragon, at least in America. There had never been a movie like that before. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to that one eventually, but um, he is honestly one of my personal heroes. Um, Definitely belongs on the uh, Mount Rushmore of action stars, right up there with Schwarzenegger and Stallone and Bruce Lee and, I don't know, two other spots (laughs) that have yet to be carved (laughs) out, but you may not even need the other two. That's right. (laughs) They're just fodder, you know. But uh, anyway, so, um, but yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the very first film that Bruce Lee did um, called The Big Boss. Over here, it may be called Fist of Fury, which I think T-Bone's going to get into. Um, but a lot of people may not know this. This was not Bruce Lee's first movie. He actually starred in like 21 films as a kid. 
um, over in Hong Kong. So um, I'm going to kind of turn the mic over here to T-Bone, and he's going to regale us with the knowledge that he has dug up about Mr. Bruce Lee. Well, uh, should we go ahead and get into the movie? Well, if you want to, or if you want to even talk about first, you know, how you came to know Bruce Lee. Um, Because he's one of those guys to me, like, you can show his picture to Mm -hmm. people who've never seen a Bruce Lee movie, but they know who he is. Yeah. Or you can just say the name Bruce Lee, and people automatically understand that, you know, they start making the wah! Or they, you know, they, they know, they jump into like a kung fu stance or whatever. Right. They know his, his his name is synonymous with martial arts. And that's to me like one of the most um, resounding things about him is that, you know, he has that kind of recognition, you know, even from kids that like I said, I've never even I, I can say his name in my class cuz I teach school, you know, Bruce Lee, we're going to talk about Bruce Lee. They know who that is. They may right. not know, you know, exactly who he is, but they know the name. So how, how did you very first hear of Bruce Lee? Do you remember? Um, I don't. Um, probably because, like you said, his name is just there. Like, yeah. It's it's just in your head when you're born, you know who Bruce Lee is. <laughs> yeah. almost. Bruce Lee of the Golden Arches. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, movie-wise, probably Enter the Dragon. That's probably his most famous movie. Um, if That's probably, for most people, if they've only seen one Bruce Lee movie, it's probably that. So I probably, yeah, I don't even remember the first time I heard it, probably sometime in the 80s, mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually, when I kind of got into action movies and kung fu movies and stuff, I kind of was more of a Jackie Chan person. Yeah. So I didn't really get too deep into Bruce Lee's filmography and his, you know, the lore and all that. Yeah. But, you know, I did take some kung fu lessons here and there in my life. And, you know, that's always, there's always Bruce Lee stuff. His picture's always on the dojo, even if it's taekwondo or because, you know, he was, he created his own martial arts. He started out with Wing Chun. Um which is like hand-to-hand combat, which is like up-close, you know, in-your-face type style. Um, But I I remember the very first time that I heard Bruce Lee's name was third grade. And this is, these are one of those memories that just like it never leaves my brain because I had just seen Missing in Action. Mm -hmm. And that was on HBO. And um, the scene that I remembered the most was where they had Braddock hanging upside down and they put the rat... And they're like poking the rat, you know what I mean? And then they put the sack on his head. And and uh, I was telling my friends, you know, like about Chuck Norris. So this is where this all comes in. I was like, oh, man, Chuck Norris. And as a kid, I was like, oh, I was telling my friends. And my friends just so happened to be Vietnamese. And it's Stephen Tran and it's John Wynn and Du Hun. Those were the guys that I hung out with in school. I don't know why, because they were kind of like me. They were sort of brown and, you know, I just kind of gravitated towards them. But anyway, um, so we were out on the playground one day, and I was telling them about Chuck Norris, about how awesome and how kick-ass and how badass Chuck Norris was, and they were all like, <laughs> let me sit down, round eye. <laughs> let me tell you about this guy. And they were talking about Bruce Lee, and that they began to tell me about this movie uh, that Bruce Lee was in, and he was doing these, you know, these the fastest 
martial arts. Like he was so fast, like they couldn't even capture him on camera. And the, like all of these stories, these you know these fight scenes and with these women and like I was like, oh my god, like oh, I have to see this movie. Like who is this guy? Because they made him sound like such a superhero. So I'd gone home and I had told my parents like I want to see. Have you ever heard of Bruce Lee? And of course my dad was like, yeah, I've heard. You know, of course. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. And um, I said, well, I, I want to watch. My friends were telling me about one of his movies, and I wanted to watch it. And he's like, ah, I kind of think so. Like, I think you're just still kind of like a little too young um, t- to watch those. Um, and so, long story short, sleepover. We were at my friend Stephen Tran's house, and he invited John Wynn and all of the other. He had a brother, Richard, and um, uh, John's brother came over. His name was Duke. Um, anyway, long story short, we watched The Big Boss. So this was the very first film that I had seen, and it came in one of those real fancy, he had the box set, the VHS box set. <laughs> there was like five movies in it. It was like, you know, Big Boss, Chinese Connection, Return of the Dragon. Inter- I didn't think it had Enter the Dragon, Game of Death, and then it had like some Bruce Lee, like The Man, The Mystery, The Legend, or something like that, some documentary. And he put this movie on, and it was, it was like everything that I thought it was going to be he was like a real life superhero and I never once ever spoke highly of Chuck Norris again. <laughs> well, maybe not quite in the same manner as be the badass because I became all about Bruce Lee for me. And I would go to the grocery stores and I would try to find black belt magazines. And, um, if it had Bruce Lee on the cover, if there was like a story about Bruce Lee, you know, I think I've, I've said the story before. My mom would buy me one thing. If I, you know, this is back in the day where, Mom would send you to like the sundry aisle, right. you know, and you just hung out there reading comics and magazines while your parents shop. And then if you were done, if I was good, I got to pick like a magazine or a comic book. I would pick a wrestling magazine or I would pick a comic book or I would pick, you know, whatever. But I would, if there was a black belt magazine, I would pick it and read the articles about Bruce Lee because most black belt magazine had some type of article in there about Bruce Lee. And I began to learn a lot about Bruce Lee and began putting the posters up in my room <laughs> of Bruce Lee and became like, you know, even going so far as to 100% culturally appropriate the Kung Fu jacket. You know, uh, I even worked in college. I don't even know if you remember or not. I had the black jacket, like the little button-up jacket, you know. Oh, my God. Like, and if people want to know, I never got laid in college. That's yeah. probably why, because I was too busy wearing Kung Fu gear uh, on the campus of OU and never took a Kung Fu class in his life. But I begged my parents. I bought the books. You know, I, I practiced on my bed how to jump and, you know, kind of like Daniel LaRusso style. Just had the book, and I was doing the kicks and all the things. And But anyway, but yeah, that was the very first time I had heard about Bruce Lee and watching, you know, The Big Boss. Um, I eventually did talk my dad into um, letting me watch Enter the Dragon. But that's where my love began. Just conversations, a third grader on a playground, <laughs> where a lot of you know histories made. <laughs> yeah. So, I got one of one of uh, the books that he wrote, the self defense, like street self defense or something. I yeah. What it was called. Yeah. Like back in the nineties. And- yeah, I actually have a hardbound copy at Gard- that I bought at Gardner's back when Gardner's was like really worth it. <laughs> it was like all kind of like weird and I've taken over now and it's like a, the hardbound copy of um, the towel of Jeet Kune Do mm-hmm. and I've r- tried to read it several times I don't understand any of it <laughs> like I'm like 
Like, it's, I mean, I'm sure, like, to somebody that makes sense, but to me it makes, like, no sense. It's just so philosophical, which is, you know, he had a philosophy major uh, for the University of Washington in mm-hmm. Seattle. But anyway, um, I guess we're kind of getting long-winded here. I could talk about Bruce Lee all day long. <laughs> um, you're probably just like, shut up, and when you get to my notes. But, but go ahead. Uh, if you want to talk about the movie, um, you know, or if you want to talk about Bruce Lee, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm always open to talk about Bruce Lee anytime. All right. Let's... Uh... Get into the big boss in Chinese. Oh, also, we should probably say that we're going to butcher some of these names. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and I apologize. I did actually go on YouTube and try to hear, because like, I'm like you, like, when I read it, I read it in the English way, right. like, but they have like a lot of shways and schwas. Right. And, right. and um, so I try to go on, because like, I try to hear them, so I'm saying it right, so I don't sound like a complete idiot, but... <laughs> I'm sure. James Tien. Yeah. I hope I do you justice, sir. <laughs> All right. The big boss in Chinese was known as Tang Shen Dai Xiong, which literally translates to the big brother from Tang Shen. Yes, which is a titular title because in that movie they do say that as um, soon as he is um, kind of defeats. Well, go ahead. I'm getting ahead of myself, <laughs> but they, they do mention that title yeah. in, in the film. Uh, 1971 Hong Kong action martial arts film produced by Raymond Chow, starring Bruce Lee, his first major film in a lead role. Uh, lead role, as you said, he was in a bunch of stuff as a kid. Yeah, but I don't know if the you have this, but he wasn't really supposed to be the lead role. You knew that, correct? Uh, Do you have that note? I saw that, but I didn't get too into that. Okay, so the story goes is that... Um, it was actually supposed to be a vehicle for James Tien because mm-hmm. um, Golden Harvest had broken off. Raymond Chow kind of did like some underhanded business with the Shaw brothers and kind of double-crossed them or kind of swerved them in a way and started Golden Harvest, which is his own production company. And he tried to steal as many um, actors from the Shaw brothers as he could. And um, at that time, movie company, the Shaw Brothers, if you were like a Shaw Brother actor, like they had you locked down like into contracts. Like you couldn't pick your projects. They told you what to do. You couldn't like negotiate pay. Most of the actors even lived like in these apartments in the studio Mm -hmm. and you were kind of paid in like Shaw Bucks. Like, oh, well, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you can say you can buy things, but like with Shaw credit, like it was just a a very like, um, like a, Monopoly, I guess, right. and you like they only they had their own theaters. They showed their own movies in their own theater. Da 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 da. It was a very complicated system, and so when Raymond Chow started um, Golden Harvest, um, he tried to pull as many actors as he could from the Shaw Brothers. But Shaw Brothers were like deep in it, you know, and the only person he could pretty much get was james tien so he was sort of like touting james tien mm-hmm. as the next big thing um jimmy wang Wu, i think had just come out with king boxer which is like the very first like modern like when you think of hong kong films or you know kung fu movies king boxer is the one that kind of started it all off because back before then it was just like all wires and there was like they just went through different periods mm-hmm. kind of like different different film periods but anyway as i digress and so they really kind of touted um, James Tien as being the lead for this. Bruce Lee happened to come on board simply by accident. <laughs> um, he was had gone over to Hong Kong um, 
to make arrangements for his mom, like a green card for his mom to come visit. And he brought Brandon, I think he was like eight years old at the time, with him, or six years old at the time. I don't remember how old he was. But anyway, um, and when Bruce stepped off the boat or stepped off the plane, there were reporters there, like, wanting to interview him. And he was just like, huh? Like, what is going on? Well, long story short, um, they had just began running the Green Hornet Mm -hmm. over there on television. And for Hong Kong audiences, that was the very first time that they had seen a Chinese actor in an American television series where he wasn't like a bumbling buffoon or he wasn't like just that, like, how oh, Hong Chong, like a service boy. You know, like he was like <laughs> right. side by side, they were equals. And so even though, you know, the Cato character is sort of like, a, well, he is, he's a house servant, but he's like a kick ass house servant. And so he was kind of looked at like, the boy who made it in Hollywood. Like, oh, there he is. Like, you know. So he wasn't like this big major star. He was like a big television star. And television was at that time where like people, like movie careers went to die. You know, you didn't start TV and work your way up to movies like you do now. Most of it is you worked, started in movies and then you finished your career in TV because nobody wanted to hire you. So when he was there, the people started wanting to interview him. And he wasn't really quite understanding like why. And, um... He, was, he did, like, a radio, you know, interview. He did, like, a TV appearance. He brought Brandon with him, and they were doing, like, demonstrations. And Bruce had really honed this whole presentation of Jeet Kune Do. Um, so he was had such a charm about him. And the, the Chinese audiences just fell in love with him because, like I said, he was almost American enough to, like, capture, like, Hollywood. Like, he's a Hollywood guy. Um, to Chinese audiences. And so thus kind of began like a bidding war between the Shaw brothers and Golden Harvest. Um, Golden Harvest, the reason why he kind of chose them is because he kind of felt he would have more, not power, but I guess power. (laughs) He would be able to make decisions better because if he locked in with with the Shaw brothers, again, they're going to lock him into like a 10-year contract he doesn't have control over the movies. He doesn't have control over the fight sequences. He has no control. Whereas if he went with this kind of upstart company, then he's like, okay, I, I can maybe make moves better here than I could with the Shaw brothers, even though they may not pay me as much. So that's why he decides to um, choose Golden Harvest over Shaw brothers. And they had already begun. And of course, he's also holding out. He kind of learned this from Steve McQueen. Because he was really good friends with Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. and he was almost he wanted to be Steve McQueen so bad, and McQueen was like, you know, if if kind of learn this through his Jeet Kune Do classes, if you're only going to charge two hundred dollars, they're going to expect two hundred dollars, but if you say that you're going to charge five hundred dollars, then to all these rich people, that makes you feel like you're special, like you're doing. You may not be doing something different, right. but just because you're charging that much they're going to think that like you are like <laughs> so he was in the, his contract negotiation between um, Golden Harvest and they went ahead and started production anyway and they're like that guy's a <laughs> that guy we'll just James Tian's our man anyway mm-hmm. we'll decide later who's going to star in this movie is it going to be James Tian or is it going to be Bruce Lee <laughs> so they had shot like uh, <laughs> before Bruce even joined like i think they were like 3 or 4 weeks into production before Bruce finally kind of almost got shoehorned into this. So that's a long-winded answer to what you were saying about James Tien, but go ahead. 
Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, Big Boss, 1971. Raymond Chow, Lucy Bruce Lee. The film also stars... Uh, well, James Tian. Is well, still let me in tell you about James Tian. <laughs> <laughs> he's still in the movie. Yeah, he's still in the movie. Uh, also, we got Maria Yi, Tony Liu, and Nora Miao. Yes. So uh, let's go back a few years. Yes. In Bruce Lee's life to 1966. Yes. Uh, the Green Hornet TV show had just been canceled yes. after only one season. Yes. Uh, Hollywood was still somewhat hesitant to work with Lee and he was having trouble finding acting roles. His wife, Linda was working at, at an answering service to help pay the bills. In 1970, Bruce injured his back while weightlifting and he was incapacitated for several months. After the trouble he was having in Hollywood, his friend, James Coburn, who of course was a very famous actor around this time, mm-hmm suggested that Lee try his luck in the burgeoning Hong Kong film industry. So in 1970, Lee and Brandon, as you mentioned, go to Hong Kong. I guess kind of a multi-pronged business pleasure trip. Yeah. Uh, They go to Hong Kong to search for some opportunities for Bruce. And as you mentioned, he was already famous when he shows up, does demonstrations, some interviews, um, his a friend of his, a childhood friend named Unicorn Chan. Yes. <laughs> they went to school together. Yeah. Uh, Lee had a unicorn talk to Shaw Brothers, which at the, they were, the you know, as you said, the largest production company in Hong Kong at the time. And I think uh, at the time, a lot of these Hong Kong movie people were mixed up in the triads too. Yeah, there's a, a few of, of them. A lot yeah. of connections. In there. Yeah. Um, I know, I think there's some Jackie Chan stories about or somebody getting, anyway. Well, I think Jimmy Wang Wu was really tied up in the triads yeah. too. Um, anyway, so yeah, Shaw Brothers, they wanted to, they wanted to offer him a contract at $2,000 a film, which in today's dollars is about 15000 but Lee declined this offer, and it was also in 1970 that Raymond Chow left Shaw Brothers mm-hmm. to start Golden Harvest. And Chow saw Lee on TV while he was there doing the talk shows, so he was impressed by that. And they they had a phone conversation at one point where Lee said he could do a better film than anything in Hong Kong at the time. <laughs> So he's really talking himself up. Which he could do. Yeah. So uh, the, in 1971, early 71, Raymond Chow sent one of his producers to L.A. where Bruce lived. Bruce and his family lived in L.A. to uh, cut a deal with him. And Lee ended up signing a two-picture deal with Golden Harvest for $15,000, which is almost $120,000 in 23 2023 the two movies would end up being the big boss and fist of fury mm-hmm. chow arranged a meeting with his executives and a thai businessman named fatty ma who was a friend of chow's and also a film distributor and cinema owner in thailand fatty ma was uh 
tapped into the Thai filmmaking world, so he agreed to work with Golden Harvest to film The Big Boss in Thailand to save money. To write the film, a Chinese novelist and screenwriter named Ni Kuang was hired to write a script based on Cheng Chiyong, who was a famous Chinese figure in early 20th century Thailand. The script was also heavily rewritten by the director, Lo Wei, which was apparently common in Hong Kong cinema at the time. In July of 71, Bruce Lee flew to Bangkok to begin filming. Here the cast and crew spent several days getting to know each other for the first time, and filming commenced on July 22nd in Pak Chong, a small town 90 miles northeast of Bangkok. Yeah, so I don't know what they had already shot already as far as... Yeah. I mean, they probably shot a bunch of, like, B-roll or whatever. There, they had a director, though, before Lo right. Wei. Um, uh, I don't know if you're going to talk about that or not, but I'll go ahead and let you get to that yeah. if you want to. Um, so filming took place in Pak Chong for four weeks, and Bruce Lee hated it. He wrote to his wife, Linda, saying Pak Chong was lawless, impoverished, and underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. Lee couldn't get a decent meal, and he started losing weight. His diet consisted... <coughs> Just took a chop to the throat. <laughs> I did. It's getting at me from beyond the grave. That's right. All right. His diet consisted of mostly canned meat, which was supplemented with the vitamins he had brought with him. The set was so noisy that Lee lost his voice several times from all the shouting he had to do. Mosquito- mosquitoes and cockroaches were everywhere, and he couldn't drink the water from the hotel because it was yellow. Mm. There was also some tension on the film set because other film studios were still trying to steal Bruce away from Golden Harvest, including Shaw Brothers. Another producer in Taiwan told Lee to just walk away and they would pay for any legal fees involved for Lee violating his Golden Harvest contract. Lee rejected all of these offers. After just a few days of filming, uh, the original director, Wu Chia Sang, was replaced by Lo Wei, mm-hmm. who was the husband of one of the producers. Uh, Lee did not like Lo Wei at first, but they did end up working well together for the most part, despite some occasional disagreements. Yeah. Yeah, so this guy's married to the producer, and he just comes in and directs and rewrites <laughs> the whole script. Yeah, well, so, like, the story goes is, like, um, what's a guy named? Director Wu Sing what mm-hmm. Wu Sing Wu. Wu Cheng Sing, Wu Shi Sang, or something like that. Wu Shi Sang, I think is what it is. But anyway, um, he's getting ready to film the first fight sequence with Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee comes from the American Western style filmmaking, whether it's like John Wayne, one punch coming from a mile away, you know, not rock'em sock'em kind of stuff. And then the Hong Kong side is that fight style that you see that when you think of, you know, Hong Kong chop sake flicks, that comes from the Peking opera. You know, those aren't real martial arts styles. That just, it's all flash. It sweeps, it's jumps, it's flips. It's, and that all comes from the Peking opera, which Bruce had no involvement in. He, had, he didn't grow up in the Peking opera. He, uh, Peking opera. He grew up street fighting, whether as guys like Jackie Chan and mm-hmm. Ian Bao and um, Sammo Hung and all those Unicorn Chan, all those guys, they grew up in Peking Opera. So um, when it comes time to direct his first fight sequence, 
you know, Lee tried to like pull in the Western style of filmmaking, the John Wayne style, and to make it more realistic, you know, you sh- the fight shouldn't have to last five or ten minutes. He's like, that makes you look weak. Like, if you are like the lead of a film and you're, you know, fighting flunkies, you don't fight a flunky for like five minutes. You like walk, you know, one, two, three, and the dude's out. Right. And so when they began to shoot, um, that's how Bruce Lee wanted to shoot it, you know, in very few kicks. And he was like, that's it. And so like the director, Wu, was like, no, you got to do more than that. <laughs> and he was like, no, if this was a real fight, I'm a street fighter, you know, Wing Chun, sticky hands, that's what they called it. Um, that's how a fight would really go. And he was like, you're not a martial artist. You're a fake. You're you're a phony. And he actually called Raymond Chow to try to get Bruce Lee fired. And he said, "You've been bamboozled. Like you've been you've been swerved. Like this guy's not a martial artist. This guy's not a fighter. He doesn't know how to fight. He only knows three kicks." And that became like his nickname for a long time. It was three kick Lee or three leg Lee because he only knew three kicks. Because he, you know, Jeet Kune Do, you don't really use utilize a lot of kicks. It's one of those styles. It's like you use. Whatever means, you know, Jeet Kune Do for you would mean something different than Jeet Kune Do would mean for me. It's like your own personal style, basically. And so, long story short, he tried to get Bruce Lee fired. And Bruce Lee was like, oh, <laughs> this is, you know, this is my chance. I've been fighting for this for the past, you know, 15 years. You know, I'm not going to let you steal my moment. Well, he got Raymond Chow to replace Director Wu with Lo Wei. And when Lo Wei comes in, he says, well, he only had three pages of a script, which is probably right. And so they say, like, you know, a lot of it was sort of made up as they went along because there wasn't, like, a script to shoot from. But, yeah, he rewrote the script. And I guess they did also battle the same way because, you know, when directing Bruce Lee and his fight sequences, that's why, you know, it resonated so much with Hong Kong audiences is because they could spot that it was real. It was based in realism, you know, even though you might have some funny scenes where, like, he punches the guy and... You know, there's like the silhouette that goes mm-hmm. through. I don't know right. if you remember that scene, but yeah. like he's against the barn door and he like smacks him and like he falls through, but it's like the cartoon <laughs> Looney Tunes silhouette of the card, you know, the cutout. But um, you have moments like that, but for the most part, like, you know, he wanted to stick with like bridging the Western, you know, John Wayne style and the Peking opera style and bringing him into one, you know, different style. And so, um, but yeah, that's why. Uh, he was Lo Wei was was um, replay or excuse me, director Wu was replaced with Lo Wei. It's kind of funny too though because after the success of this film, Lo Wei said it was him that taught Bruce Lee how to fight on <laughs> on camera, and Bruce Lee was like pissed off at that. Like he would like sometimes track Lo Wei down and like want to strangle him, you know. But the, his wife, he had was really good friends with his uh, Lo Wei's wife that you said was one of the producers on the film. She would like talk sense into Bruce Lee. Don't kill my husband. <laughs> so anyway. So filming commenced. Um, at one point, Bruce cut his hand while washing a glass and the wound required 10 stitches. A bandage can be seen on his hand in many scenes in the film. While filming the big ice house brawl, Bruce claimed to have lost a contact lens and everything shut down for an hour while everyone helped look for it. <laughs> Bruce eventually found the contact lens and... Low way suspected that Lee had it all along and was just trying to stir up trouble. <laughs> I but, love all the drama yeah. on the set, you know. Yeah. Between takes throughout shooting, Bruce would talk martial arts with the Thai stuntmen, but supposedly he was unimpressed with their skills, despite one of them being a former Muay Thai bantamweight champion. 
The Hong Kong stuntmen were in turn unimpressed with Bruce's skills until one of the stuntmen, Lan Qingying, challenged Bruce to spar one day in the hotel. Bruce swiftly kicked Lam across the room and the stuntmen quickly reversed their opinions of Lee. For the final fight scene with the big boss of the film's title, Bruce sprained his ankle at one point and had to be taken to Bangkok for treatment. While in Bangkok, he also got sick. The fight scene was then finished using close-ups because Bruce was barely able to walk at this point. Mm. In addition to the aforementioned ice house, other filming locations included the Lam Takong River, a bungalow owned by the hotel where the cast and crew were staying, and a brothel where actual prostitutes were paid ten times their going rate to appear as extras in the film. Yes. A Buddhist temple was used as the mansion owned by the big boss. Another 12 days of filming took place back in Bangkok in locations such as a Chinese restaurant, the Chao Praia River, a house in the Pra Pradang district, and the more rural west side of Bangkok. You know what's kind of cool, though, this, these locations, uh, other than, like, you know, most of them are gone, you know, like, I think they demolished, like, the mansion that the big boss <clears throat> lived in, but that, they said that the ice house that they filmed in is still there, it still functions as an ice house, and because of the conditions, you know, like, they're just not a developed nation, mm-hmm. that it pretty much looks exactly <laughs> the way it did in the film, um, going so far as, I want to say it was, like, 2013, it's one of the many box sets. I, I can't tell you how many times I've bought these movies as a set over the years. I mean, from VHS to, mm-hmm. you know, 10-year editions to DVDs to Blu-rays to 4Ks to, you know, the Criterion set, which I finally was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I bet I bought these same, you know, I mean, let's be honest, Bruce really only made, you know, four, maybe four and a half films, maybe four and three-quarter films. Um, I don't really count Game of Death because he never finished it, but um, I bought these same four movies at least a dozen times on different formats, different editions, different things. But on one of them, I don't know which one it is. They went back to the the filming locations, like the dock, and it's still there. Um, but the ice house does. It looks exactly the same. It's almost eerie. It's like a time <laughs> capsule. Like it just push pause on it. And then just, yeah, people still work there and everything, you know. I think the only thing they built on that set was the foreman's, like, um, office, I guess. I want to say headquarters, but I guess that would be the right way to say it. And they did one more day of filming in Hong Kong for various pickup and insert shots. Bruce returned to the U.S. on September 6th while editing began on the film. Golden Harvest editor Sung Ming is credited as the editor, but because the production was already behind schedule, another editor named Chang Sing Lung was brought on board. Chang's filmography included over 170 films, and he had won several awards, so he was able to crank out the editing on time, despite ultimately not getting a film credit. Bruce and his family returned to Hong Kong on October 16th for interviews and a private screening before the film was released. The Big Boss was released in Hong Kong at midnight on October 23, 1971 at the Queen's Theater. Linda Lee later recalled, quote, Every dream that Bruce had ever possessed came true that night. The audience rose to its feet, yelling, clapping, cheering. It was almost impossible to leave the theater. We were absolutely mobbed. An official gala premiere took place on November 3rd, and the film was instantly successful. 
It took three days to reach a million Hong Kong dollars and a week to reach two million Hong Kong dollars. By the end of its run in Hong Kong, the big boss had grossed 3.2 million Hong Kong dollars, breaking the record previously held by The Sound of Music <laughs> by over 800,000 Hong Kong dollars. I'm 100% positive that um, Bruce Lee would kick the shit out of Julie Andrews. I just... <laughs> And Devon Traps at all the same time. That'd be a hell of a fight. (laughs) This record was broken again the very next year by Bruce's next film, Fist of Fury. 30% of the entire population of Hong Kong at the time paid to see the big boss. The next, or the film was next released in Singapore where it was equally successful. A midnight screening even caused a huge traffic jam delaying the film for 45 minutes and police had to intervene. The Big Boss broke box office records in Singapore, becoming the highest grossing film to date, beating out the previous record holder, The Ten Commandments. Nah. I'm, and I'm pretty sure Bruce Lee could kick the shit out of Moses, too. <laughs> yeah. And his tablets. Yeah. He's the one that broke the tablets. <laughs> <laughs> he held them up like a, like a punching shield. <laughs> <laughs> Shattered the tablets. He punched a hole in the Red Sea. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Releases continued across Asia, and The Big Boss ultimately raked in over $12 million, or about $90 million in today's dollars across the region. Although The Big Boss was hugely successful in Asian territories, distributors were hesitant to market it elsewhere. When it became a surprise hit in Lebanon in 1972, they started to change their mind. Distribution deals were made in South America, Africa, and Southern Europe. There was a delay in the U.S., however, where the film was not released until April of 73 because the distributors wanted to redub the English dialogue and produce new music. They also wanted to retitle it to The Chinese Connection to play off of the popularity of the Gene Hackman film The French Connection. Mm -hmm. Bruce Lee's second film, Fist of Fury, which was already made at this point, was to be renamed Fists of Fury in the U.S. Mm -hmm. However, there was a mix-up at some point, and the titles got switched. Big Boss became Fists of Fury, and Fist of Fury became The Chinese Connection. (laughs) The Big Boss grossed $16.2 million in the U.S., or $110 million in today's dollars, and became one of the top 20 movies of the year. The three highest-grossing films that year were The Exorcist, The Sting, and American Graffiti. Wow. Pretty stacked year. Yes, certainly. The Big Boss continued to be a huge hit all over the world. It was a top 10 film in France and Japan, and during its second run in Lebanon, it outperformed The Godfather. Its worldwide gross at the time was almost $50 million, which is over $340 million in today's dollars. Jesus. That's like... Marvel money. That is. That's ins- I'm telling you, man. When I say he was a super, a real life superhero, yeah. that's what I mean. This this was on a budget of a hundred thousand dollars at the time, or less than eight hundred thousand in today's dollars. That is so. I mean, that has to be like one of the most highest grossing. Like, yeah. I think it was like. I mean, like even Chainsaw, which I think was made for like thirty two thousand or something like that. But that is that's incredible money for something yeah. that was made for so cheap. In the United States, The Big Boss was re-released several times in theaters throughout the 70s and early 80s. 
However, the first time that the original, more violent ending was shown in the U.S. was not until July of 2004 on cable channel AMC. Yeah, there are several different cuts, too. Um, I think the original Mandarin version has him... It cuts right after he kills the boss, and there's like that overhead shot, and then it's like... And then it like fades out. But the, uh, it goes on, you know, where he like gets arrested by the police, you know, and then oh, gets yeah. killed. Doesn't he get? Doesn't he get killed at the end? I, don't I think. So. I thought they. God, I don't remember. I see, I see, watch it every year. I don't know what my problem is. <laughs> I just can't remember if he gets arrested or if he's killed too. Maybe he just. I think he just gets arrested anyway. Despite its huge financial success, the Big Boss received mixed reviews from critics on its release. Negative reviews cited stereotypes in Bruce Lee's acting. The Big Boss has been edited and censored countless times depending on the country of release. Edits for time, violence, and nudity were common. One scene featuring a violent death was in the initial private screening before being cut and has never been seen again aside from a few still photographs. There's another, I don't know if anybody knows this or not, there was also another um, scene that was cut and I think it was destroyed where um, he's like full frontal. Really? Yeah. So like, okay. So the story goes is like, um, you know, when he decided he wanted to sign on, he was ready to break all the stereotypes of, you know, Chinese, um, in motion pictures. One of the things that he wanted to do was like the Chinese had always been kind of portrayed as asexual, like just these little, you know, prissy kind of, you know, ponytail, buck teeth, you know, glasses wearing, you know, just whatever servants. And he's like, no, like, I'm going to show, I want to make the Chinese man, like, sexual. I want to show, like, you know, I'm here to, like, kick ass and snatch or, like, whatever it is that he's <laughs> trying. So that's why, um, you know, the, the, when he goes to see the prostitute, he, he has to be drunk, you know, because he's like, that. the hero wouldn't do that. Um, and so even if you, like, watch that scene, like, when he interacts with the naked woman, like, he's passed out. So towards the end of the movie where he figures out, like, I'm going to die. You know, he, he's going to go confront the boss. He doesn't think he's going to come back. He like takes all of his shit and he throws it in the river. And then he's like, I'm going to go bang that prostitute one more time. So there's a scene where, like, he goes back to the brothel. He picks out a prostitute. He just, like, throws her up against the headboard and just, like, ah! And then he steals her crackers, like, on her bedside table. And then he goes to the big boss's house, which is why he's eating rice crackers. That's where he... Because everybody's like, what? oh, look how confident he is. He's so confident that he's just eating on the way. Or somebody said, like, oh, he brought dog biscuits. <laughs> because there's that scene earlier where he jumps the fence and the dogs attack him. Which is kind of a horrific scene nowadays. Because they are actually taking those German shepherds and throwing them across the... Because you wouldn't do that now, obviously, because of the you know animal cruelty laws that we have. But at that time, like, yeah, they're just picking up those dogs and like throwing them at Bruce Lee. And so people say, oh, he brought dog biscuits. But the truth is, is there's a scene that was cut where he goes to the prostitute, he bangs her, he steals her rice crackers, and then he goes to fight the big boss, which is why he's eating those crackers. Um, but... After they saw that, I guess, he looked at Linda and was kind of like, huh, French benefits of being an actor. <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, no. Um, so they cut that. But there's, there's a scene from that, which I've seen. It's like the bedpost. Like, he's full, fully naked, and you can tell that he's fully naked. But, like, the, the bedpost is, like, hiding his privates. So that scene was also cut. And I think that has been destroyed, huh. probably, most likely, I would think. Because I've only seen a still from it. It's in this book. 
Anyway, I'll show if you want to see Bruce Lee's <laughs> almost if you want to see all Bruce Lee's almost penis, I can show it to you. Uh, so there's also three entirely separate music scores. Uh, the Big Boss was such a phenomenon that an unofficial sequel, The Big Boss Part Two, was released in 1976, starring Huang Kin Lung, who went by the screen name Bruce Lee, spelled with one E. Yeah. This sequel was directed by Chan Chui, who was an assistant director on the first film. I think he's actually the guy that was the the foreman. Yeah, of the so. of the big boss, not not the big boss, but the foreman at the ice factory. Yeah. I, another film titled Big Boss Two was released in 1981 and stars Dragon Lee and Bolo Jung, but it is a sequel in name only. Dang, I gotta find that. The Big Boss has been released multiple times over the years on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray, and is currently streaming on various outlets. Yeah, you said the only version that you could find was in not the dubbed, um, non-dubbed. Which to me, like that's the way you need to watch it. The the English actors do such a <laughs> shitty job of dubbing his voice. Yeah, I was kind of poking around streaming services yesterday, and uh, there's a version out there, and I don't know if it's the original Cantonese or if it's yeah. a Mandarin dub. I don't know. Yeah, but there's a for the original it, English one. Bruce wanted to dub his own voice but unfortunately um at that time he was still struggling with the english dialect which is another kind of reason why he didn't land a ton of you know american roles past um the green hornet Mm -hmm. i just couldn't understand him unfortunately and so they really struggled with because he was dead set on dubbing his own voice in english but it didn't happen (laughs) so yeah if you want to watch this it's not hard to find various it's still in print, it's being yeah. reprinted <laughs> as we speak. It, probably you can watch it in English, the original language. It's, yeah. So, whatever your uh, pleasure is, you can see this movie. I do think there is one funny part of like the English dub is like the translations were all wrong. So, like when you are um, the, in the Mandarin, the Cantonese versions, you know his his name is Ching Shaoan or Ching Shaoan, Ching Shaoan, and they all just call him Brother Chang. And so he's like, ah, oh, here's Brother Chang, here's Brother Ah, oh, here's a Brother Pa. And that's just kind of how they do it, you know, just kind of like a, a metaphor, I guess, just for like brother, you know. But Maria Yi's character is introduced to sister, you know. And so when they begin, but it's only a name only, you know what I mean? So right. when they begin sort of having this love interest, it kind of gets, you know, like, oh, um, brother and sister are falling in love and so they're and so like the studio was like having a shit fit they're like whoa 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 like we can't so like let's just make them cousins so it actually made it worse so like they're in the english version they're all cousins and he's falling in love with his cousin so that's it makes it even worse yeah um other than just saying like oh you know just brother as like a metaphor for like you know just a brother you know like a a man and a woman like brother and sister anyway that's kind of funny but yeah well, I have um, I have a workout in a top ten list. Yes. Um, anything else you wanted to say about the movie specifically? Uh, no. I mean, like, just go watch it. I mean, there's so many awesome moments in it. Um, you know, Bruce Lee, honestly, like, if you've never seen the film, I don't want you to think, like, it's just some knockdown, drag out, you know, fight 
because Bruce Lee doesn't even get involved really until like 40. I mean, he's in it at the beginning, but he doesn't even really throw a punch until like 45 minutes into the film. Um, he's getting off this boat and he's sort of um, this troubled country bumpkin who's made a promise to his mom to like, I'll never fight again. So he's kind of sent away to Thailand to like, you know, work in the ice factory and learn his lesson. <laughs> and so he wears like this jade pendant, um, that kind of is like as a, as a promise to his mom that he's not going to fight anymore. Um, there's that scene really quick, like at the very beginning of it. And I don't know why, but they always in the English version, cause that's the only version I had seen for years and years. That little boy is selling what they called um, like rice buns or sweet buns. And those Thai guys, you know, like grab him and like, like eat the Thai buns. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, what are those? Like, you know, so we would go to like all these like you know ori oriental like markets and I'd be like what the sweet buns you know and like look for the sweet buns and those like it's basically something that doesn't even exist what he's actually selling are dumplings <laughs> and so but they didn't know like you know as American audiences because we're stupid over here like right. they don't even know what a dumpling is so like they you know change that um, but that's pretty cool like I don't know just that little kid like get out of here you bastard and he like slaps him the kid in the face like you know what I mean like or slaps him in the back of the head. That's kind of like the very first scene, um, James Tien. And you can kind of tell, like, his style is still more of that Peking opera style. He's kind of sloppy. He's not, you know, well-honed. Um, he's kind of, he's kind of a lazy style. Um, so it sort of has, the reason why I'm saying all of this is that it has, like, this slow build. And you get to see James Tien, like, go to this poker den and tell him, like, how he's the great guy. Like, oh, you know, come out of this poker den, you know, like. You know, you, you, you're wasting your money here. Like, you have a family that loves you. Here's some money. You know, you know, scobs his knob and sends this guy on his way, and he has another fight with the poker guys. So, again, it's like this slow build. You think Bruce Lee's going to just jump right in there and fight, but he doesn't until, like, you know, about 45 minutes in. And it's right. Like, as soon as Bruce Lee, first guy he dispatches was, like, three kicks, and that was it. And I just, I love that whole, like I said, he just sort of sort of, you know, learned the Western style of fighting and he wanted to mix that with the Eastern style of fighting and just to create something brand new. So to watch him fight for the very first time on screen, um, it's just amazing. Like it's so fast and it, even though there's some fantasy elements to it, um, it's, it does make sense. Like it, there's still like the whole, like, now you go, no, now, now my turn. And now you go when he's fighting like 10 guys, mm -hmm. but you know, that, it's possible that you could dispatch of people, you know, if they did run at you like that. So it is a lot based in realism. I just, I love those scenes. Um, I think his acting's great here. Um, he's kind of like, like I said, the country bumpkin and he kind of pulls that off. Um, he gets to play drunk. I mean, he, he gets to kind of stretch his legs a little bit and he right. gets to, you know, um, this, this movie was so gangbusters with Chinese audiences because they saw Bruce Lee, not only as a real martial artist, um, because of his fight scenes, but also sort of like this savior, you know, um, he saved the Chinese people from um, the Thai, the evil Thai. And then, you know, he exemplifies that even more when he uh, in uh, almost a Chinese connection. What am I thinking? Uh, Fist of Fury, where he avenges um, his master's death for, uh, against the Japanese, you know, mm -hmm. and which is another fantastic film. And then in Way of the Dragon, he's defending his, you know, Chinese people against the Italian mafia. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like uh, the only one where it's like Chinese and Chinese, I guess, is Enter the Dragon. But um, at that point, like it didn't really matter because he had so like, you know, made his stamp as like I'm the, the savior of you know, the Chinese people. 
And he took a lot of flack for that. You know what I mean? A lot of people criticized him saying, you know, like, well, you know, where, where you have, you know, greatness, there's always going to be people trying to pull you down, you know, and the Chinese press was not very kind to him, you know, over time saying that he's too westernized and he was too American and, you know, like would criticize his style of clothes. Like he doesn't dress like, you know, a, a humble Chinese man. Mm-hmm. But again, he learned all that from Steve McQueen. He's out there buying mink coats and driving <laughs> Porsches. You know what I mean? That's just a Hollywood right. in him, you know. But anyway, um, I guess I don't really have a whole lot more to say because just go watch this film. It's so good. It's one of those films I was telling T-Dog. I watched this thing at least once a year. Um, there's, a, there's a series of films that I watch uh, on a yearly basis. I usually watch Rocky. I usually watch The Terminator's. Um, and I watch all four Bruce Lee films over a course of a year. And I just love them. And I can find a lot of like inspiration in them. Um, I've read the books. I've done all the, I mean, I don't know. Like I just love Bruce Lee. I could mm-hmm. talk about it all day long. We're almost pushing an hour, which it doesn't even seem like we've <laughs> talked like an hour. And I'm sorry, mister, if I've hogged the microphone <laughs> during this episode. But when you, uh, you know, said, I want to do a Bruce Lee film, like I'm all into that because I just, yeah. I love Bruce Lee. But go ahead. Well, he did write a lot. He wrote a lot of books. He kept a lot of notes and journals and training diaries and all that stuff. So we know a lot of what his training and workout routine was. He even saved like a lot of letters, like business mm-hmm. letters, like letters to friends, letters to, like you said, business partners, a lot of letters to Raymond Chow, like him and back and forth. Like it was pretty interesting why he kept all of that. And I mean, God, thankful that he did. Died so young, thirty-two, mm-hmm. and we are. I would even we even say this. We uh, this as we are recording this. This is the fiftieth year of his death. This uh, anniversary of his death. He died July twentieth, and we just missed that mark just barely on recording this. Yeah, but he would have only been eighty-two. He could would have still been with us, right? You know, he could. He could have been president. He, and I would have voted for him. He was born in America. He was born in San that. Francisco. That is correct. Um, yeah, he. So Big Boss came out. In April of 73, and he died just a few months later. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, as I was saying, he kept a lot of notes about his workouts and stuff, so I found, I mean, it's, this, it's all over the internet, it's not hard to find. It's, yes. Um, I found one, some of his notes, and this is a workout you can do at home. What? With no equipment. Yes. So, do this while you're watching the movie. Start out five sets of sit-ups or crunches. Five sets of leg raises, five sets of side bends. Then you want to do some leg stretches. Then 500 punches with the right hand. Jesus. 500 punches with the left hand. I believe all of that. 500 finger jabs. Yes. And you want to finish off with some uh, Wing Chun practice with Chuck Norris. (laughs) If he's available. Yeah. So yeah, I love that quote by um, that Bruce Lee. I mean, guy, he has so many like inspirational quotes, but there's that one quote where he's like, I don't fear a man that practices a thousand kicks. Yeah. Um, I, I fear the man that has practiced. Or what is it? Okay, he says, I don't fear the man that has practiced a thousand kicks. I, I fear the man that has practiced one kick a thousand times or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, But I 100% believe like his workouts involved. Guy was a fitness nut and probably one of the very first guys other than like maybe Jack Lalane or whatever that guy's name. That was like such a workout enthusiast, taking vitamins and um, 
his body fat was just like insane. Yeah. Uh, that all comes from, of course, again, we're, we're kind of getting long-winded and off-topic, but where he actually was challenged, you know, over in America, and, you know, he said, I'll, I'll, I can beat this guy, you know, in a minute. I'll beat this guy in a minute. Because he believed, you know, that fights shouldn't last longer than that. If you, if, you fight last, then you're, if you fight last longer than a minute, then your skill sucks. And so they met at, like, this guy's dojo um, and had a fight, and the guy ended up just kind of, running from Bruce for three minutes before Bruce finally got him to like submit or to say Mate or, <laughs> or whatever it was that they say. I don't, I'm just quoting yeah. Bloodsport. Um, but yeah, after that he was just like, you know, even though he won the fight, he was just like, my performance was shit because my air was my, I gassed, like I was too tired. And so he's like, that'll never happen again. And that's when he was like getting up every day, running like mm-hmm. five miles a day, like calisthenics, just like all cardio, um, very, few weight training you know because he was like more for function right you know so like if his weight training wasn't really to build strength it was just to kind of build he he believed more in speed mm-hmm. than power i mean even though the guy was incredibly powerful but anyway I, I i again we're pushing an hour and i'm sure people are like well, i don't what <laughs> well of course bruce lee was hugely popular and it spawned an actual film genre called yes. bruce exploitation <laughs> yes Throughout the 70s and uh, early 80s, and these were just martial arts kung fu movies that tried to capitalize on Bruce Lee's popularity, specifically. So I have a top list of the top 10 Bruce Bloitation movies. Yes. This is from denofgeek.com. I'm going to see if I've seen any of these, because I am such a Bruce Lee fan. (laughs) I have, like... um, a couple of uh, DVD sets um, of all Bruce Bloitation films. One's called like the Great Impersonators. It's like twelve films. There's another one called like the Ultimate Clone Collection or something yeah. like that. But okay, number ten from 1976, starring Bruce Lee, L I. <laughs> Bruce Lee, the man, the myth. Uh, the myth. Yeah. yeah, isn't that the one you said? Yeah, that's actually on that the old school um, 20th Century Fox box set. Yeah, the original five <clears throat> films. Uh, number nine, The Clones of Bruce Lee from 1980, starring Bruce Lee, L-E, yeah. Bruce Lai, Dragon Lee, and Bruce Tai. Whoa, <laughs> my God. That is like a quadruple scoop of Bruce. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Enter the Game of Death from 1978. <laughs> Enter the Game of Death. Starring Bruce Lee, Ellie. Ellie. Number seven, The Dragon Lives Again, 1977. Bruce Leong. Bruce Leong. Yeah. Number six, My Name Called Bruce, 1978. Starring Bruce Lee. Ellie. Ellie, yeah. Bruce Lee, or Bruce Lee, or Bruce Lai. That was like the two most yeah. popular ones. Bruce Leong, I guess. Number five, Exit the Dragon, Enter, Enter the, the Tiger. Tiger. Yes, I've seen that one. I think yeah. I have that on VHS. 1976, starring Bruce Lee, L-I. Uh, yeah, yeah. Number four, I, I bet you've seen this one, Enter the Fat Dragon with Samo. Yes, Hai. that is actually really good. 1978. I don't, I don't know if I count that as a Bruce exploitation, but I mean, yeah. yeah it's more like a comedic take. This one and there's one other one that are kind of iffy. Uh, number three, Challenge of the Tiger, 1980, starring Bruce Lee, L.E. I haven't seen that one, I don't think. Number two, The Chinese Stuntman, 1981, Bruce Lee, L.I. 
And uh, here's the other questionable one, but I can see it. Game of Death. Yeah. 1978. Yeah. Uh, starring the real Bruce Lee, uh, Yuen Biao, and Kim Tai Chung. Yeah. Yuen Biao played like all this, this stunt double um, in that, which was you know, one of the seven little fortunes that grew up with Jackie Chan. Um, the crazy thing about Game of Death was like after he finished um, Way of the Dragon, um, he just wanted to keep busy before he signed with um, uh, the new Enter the Dragon. He just was like, I got an idea, and he was going to film. He kind of took it from a screenplay that he had developed with this guy named Sterling Siliphant, and I think James Coburn also called The Silent Flute, which is like this really weird, hippie, psychedelic porno, like <laughs> kung fu movie. I'm not even lying to you. Like, it's there's penetration like in the script that Bruce Lee wrote it, you know, along with these other guys. Anyway, but the, the end of it is like he has to go up these levels to, to um, find the knowledge. And they don't know what this thing was because we'll determine what it is later, you know. And so he had been toying with this idea of these five levels in, of kung fu where he has to, you know, be able to adapt to these different styles. And so he was very ahead of his time as far as like, you know, mixed martial arts today that wasn't even a thing back then. You just studied your style. But um, so they filmed like 40 minutes of it and then he kind of abandoned it to go make um, Enter the Dragon. Um, there wasn't even a script. He just had that once, those that one idea. Right. And so he filmed just that one idea. Even the, the end, like, well, what do you, what, what's at the top? I don't know yet. We'll figure it out, you know. That's where, yeah, like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. I think, um, uh, who else is in? Uh, Unicorn Chan, I think, is, is one of the guys as well. But anyway... Um, I'm surprised that um, Bruce Lee fights back from the grave isn't on there because that's a classic. Um, Dynamo is also a classic. Um, I think there's even one with James Coburn um, that he made, um, or maybe it's Lee Van Fleet. Uh, I don't, or Fred Williamson. I don't remember. There was a ton. Yeah, I think this list is somewhat legitimately decent movies yeah. is what they were going for. There was even like a uh, movie that was filmed. Um, I guess Bruce was, ah, I don't remember the whole story, but like he showed up to do um, fight choreography on a film. Um, you know, like, Hey, um, it was one of his friends. Maybe it could, could have been unicorn Chan. In fact, I think it was, I think unicorn Chan was making a movie and he asked Bruce to appear in it. He was just like, no, um, but here's what I'll do. I'll come and I'll choreograph your fight sequences. And so he shows up and he's on set for like three days, you know, filming, um, you know, or working with fight choreography and behind the scenes, people are filming Bruce working and then they work that footage into the film and then credits <laughs> Bruce Lee as being in the film. And I guess that pissed him off, you know, uh, and unicorn of course had nothing to do with that, but I guess they had to have a big conversation about that. But I actually have a gift for you. Uh-oh. I, I uh, have been known to... This is my apology for hogging the episode and taking control of the episode, the whole... Because I know I'm a motor mouth when well, it comes to Bruce Lee. You know Lee. more about Bruce Lee than I do. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've been known as a traveler, uh, maybe. Or maybe not a traveler. Maybe an adventurer. Mm-hmm. And so probably about 30 years ago, um, I traveled to the Orient, to a mall at <laughs> Crossroads. <laughs> Where I used to procure um, little sandals. Um, I used to wear, and I still do wear, kung fu sandals as my house shoes. 
and um, I used to get tea there. Uh, I, I think it's called Oriental Trading Company, which I'm sure that name's probably not PC nowadays, <laughs> but this was like back in the like mid yeah. early '90s. And I procured this for you. This is this is just for you. I'm I'm now reaching in from trying to paint a picture for my our listeners. I'm reaching into my Indiana Jones satchel, and I'm retrieving a very delicate item. It is wrapped in newspaper because it has been... Is this Chinese newspaper? It is Chinese newspaper. <laughs> it's not a mogwai. Hey, don't Xiao Ping die. Homer J. Fong. Uh-oh. It is a... Bruce Lee. It is a Bruce Lee statue. It is a little Bruce Lee statue. Holding his nunchucks. Holding his nunchucks, also known as nunchaku. Uh, yeah, I, I bought that probably 30 years ago at, at Oriental Trading Shop. I used to have several of those yeah. um, in different kung fu stances. Um, I think that those were actually made to show all of the different like horse stance, monkey oh, right. stance. I believe got, there was one. I've got one up there, but it's not Bruce Lee. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're just like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you already have one. Well, now you have Bruce Lee to uh, put up on our pedestal. To put, Don't look at the price. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at the handwritten price with the Sharpie underneath. I didn't get it at Goodwill, even though it looks like it did. That came straight from the Orient market at the mall um anyway um but yeah they made several of those in like all of the different kung fu stances um i want to put that up in our pantheon of great action heroes we are amongst some greats here if you ever get to visit the uh iron master studios uh we have pictures of of uh arnold up and jackie chan is up and um looks like uh a lot of sexy ladies and and, uh, (laughs) lufa rigno's up and but I didn't see anything Bruce Lee, so I wanted to share that with you to inspire you right. right above your wooden dummy. Thanks. And yeah, I, 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 like I said, I had several of those, and that's the only one that I can find. So I'm just going to share that with you. So hopefully you find lots of inspiration. You burn incense in front of that tonight before <laughs> okay. you lay down to sleep. Yeah. So um, yeah, Big okay. Boss. Go watch it. It's awesome. One of my, probably my favorite Bruce Lee movie. Um uh, in order, it's got to be this one. What's your favorite one? Got right, you know, the dragon, probably. I don't know. It's been so long since I've... Yeah. And, and I know I haven't seen one of them. Probably Way of the Dragon. That's the one where he goes to Italy yeah. and, like, fights the mafia where he's the, the bodyguard in the restaurant. I'm going to say Game of Death because it's so <laughs> ridiculous and <laughs> stupid. So, that is the worst. Yeah. But you know what? I subject myself to it every year. And I laugh at its hilarious uh, hilarity. I guess yeah, we'll, uh, have to, we'll have to cover that one. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting story. Maybe not one to be told here because this is probably our longest running episode. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so much to say about Bruce Lee, and like I said, um, the man probably deserves his very own episode. Um, definitely changed martial arts films. Definitely, um, you know, changed western ideals about chinese people um and i don't even what sucks to me is like even brandon they never got the chance to see their greatness you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i think bruce probably knew i don't think he had any idea of the impact that he would make you know even 50 years after his death and same thing with brandon i mean the crow was just beginning to see what he could do before his you know untimely accident as well um, he had done a couple of movies um, 
We want to cover show. We always say, want to do Showdown in Little Tokyo? We're like, yeah, let's do Showdown in Little Tokyo. And then, no, let's do the Hurt Locker. Oh, okay, we'll do the Hurt Locker. That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to that one. We should probably maybe do that one next. I don't know. We'll have to do it. But anyway, um, but so it just kind of sucks, you know, that his life is cut so tragically short. And then Brandon's life, too, being the son of Bruce Lee is a lot of pressure. And I'm sure there's an interesting story there, but um, we'll save it for another podcast. So thank you for um, hanging in there with us. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I had this is probably you know I enjoy all of them. This is probably the favorite, my most favorite one that we've done because, um, like I said, I could just go on and on and on. So um, find us if you have questions, comments, um, concerns, um, suggestions on, on action films. I've had a couple of you guys kind of reach out to me and say, "Oh, you know, do this one." Um, we'll get to them, but thank you for you know reaching out to us. Um, thank you for the for the one listener in Hungary. Uh, yeah, we got a Hungarian, so we might have to do some Bela Lugosi um, films. Maybe <laughs> an action star or not, but we'll try to maybe white zombie. Anyway, um, yeah, you can find us on um, Instagram at uh, Pump Action underscore Podcast, and I also do um, Skoden underscore Cinema as well, where I cover a lot of Native American films. Um, you want to give your credentials, shout-outs? Uh, I'm not really a social media person, so... If, you want, if you're looking for, for T-Bone, you can find him at the gym. Um, he's probably over there in the corner um, working harder than you, most likely. If you see a guy in there working harder than you, it's probably T-Bone. Um, just go up and say hi. Tell him that you're a fan. But uh, anyway, so yeah, check us out. Thank, thank you for listening. Um, you know, email us, whatever you want to do. Uh, so we'll catch you on the next episode of Pump Action Podcast. Oh, that was in sync. Oh, listen to it there. <laughs>